Welcome to the One Salty Great podcast, the podcast where we will discuss all the salty topics that people don't want to talk about, all the issues that are going on in today's modern society, and anything and everything that we fancy talking about. I'm your host, Rome. And I'm Phil. And I hope you enjoy. So today we are going to be discussing social media and the impact it has upon mental health. So before we kick this off, I just wanted to obviously point out that we are not doctors or anything of the sort. We are just two people having a chat about how social media has impacted our lives and how we see it affect other people. So this is just our views and our opinions, not doctors at the end of the day, but that's just what we're here to discuss. So without further ado, let's get straight into the podcast. So, Rohit, what is your first interaction with social media? Can you remember what the first you know thing you signed up to and how it's kind of developed from there? I think I started off using Facebook, but then with Facebook, it's one of those things that you just get rid of after a while. I oh, know, Bebo. Bebo. I think I think before that was MySpace as well, but I I, I never used MySpace. Yeah. My first ever interaction and actually using was um, Facebook, and it was such a obviously new concept at the time. Yeah, you kind of think in hindsight, like why couldn't I come up with that? It, Facebook was good back in the day, in the sense that you could see what people are up to and have a catch up with people, and it, I think the main aim for it was to rekindle friendships, wasn't it? And didn't I'm pretty sure it started arguments with people. Yeah, because I think as as it progressed, I think Facebook platforms like it provided the ability for narcissism to be exacerbated because you know if if you're kind of conniving and whatever in real life when you have something to kind of hide behind it can you know amplify it by ten, tenfold it gives you that wall of protection it does but it also allows you know i mean look there's goods and pros about everything in life pros and cons about everything so let's say you and i were you know family members and you lived in Australia, I lived in England. It, yeah, it was a better way to share pictures and communicate, you know? You can link up with people who are the other side of the world and you can have that relation. You can keep that, maintaining that relationship with people. Absolutely. But then I, I think the, the point Facebook got ridiculous for me and when I really started questioning, because like anything, it could become really addictive, especially if society is on it all the time, was the fact that I looked at people who are who were so-called friends on Facebook. You know, it, it's, it's categorised as friends, but... It's just numbers. It's, it's, a, it's a numbers game. It's numbers. When you look, then when you look at the people, you think these people aren't really my friends. You know, yeah. you can truly count friends, as they say, on one hand or you know two hands. I think what dawned on me was when a guy who I used to know in college, a few years later, he added me, and I tried to strike up a conversation like, "Hey, how's it going? Long time," and I didn't get anything back. And I just thought, why, why go to the trouble to add me? If you don't want to communicate with me, I was like, I was like, this, this is, this is a, this is a false facade. This is a smoking mirrors. It's not, it's not real. And after a while, I guess that kind of perception of Facebook and you know linking up with people and seeing other pictures kind of phased out. Yeah, it's, I think that's how the change in social media has happened because I, I stopped using Facebook about four or five years ago. Like, don't get me wrong, I've got an account and things like that, but I deleted the app four five years ago I just have messenger messenger is just because I can talk to people and even then I only speak to like two people on messenger because that's the only way I can contact them 
So did you find, you know, your first interaction on social media, let's say being Facebook, because that was the one that changed the game. Did you find that it um, had an effect on your mental health in a good or bad way? At the time, I wouldn't say so on the basis that it's you just sit there and you just have a quick lick every now and then. But then as you grow older, you sort of realise actually you show those addictive tendencies because when you're when you're using it, you sit there and you go, right, I'm just going to scroll along, scroll, and then you realise how many endless hours you put in when you delete the app because you see how much free time you've got. So it shows that obviously it's an addiction, but then at the same time, Facebook I didn't think was that bad in the sense that I think things like I think Instagram personally is the worst one or Snapchat especially Snapchat on the basis that it creates that fear of missing out it creates that FOMO so I got rid of Snapchat quite recently I think um, when Snapchat first come along I didn't understand the concept and I don't know whether that was me phasing out this whole social media thing or whether I was just getting a bit older because there's things that my nieces and nephews do and I I think you know what is that and what does it mean Um, a lot of kind of trends that start on social media Um, so I didn't really understand Snapchat so I've never really been on Snapchat so yeah never had a Snapchat account I like the idea of Instagram when it first started because it was just photos mm-hmm. and um, you can you know follow really closely institutions and ideas that you like. So for example, I followed NASA and National Geographic because I'm into those type of things and it does keep you up to date. It is you know more accessible than your know, news on TV or magazine articles because it's all in the palm of your hand. It keeps you informed. Uh, it's more convenient at the end of the day, isn't it? Hundred percent. But then the other thing that you can fall foul of is um, this whole idea of fabricated news, fake, fake news. news yeah. The amount of t- so there's a classic picture where it shows it shows um, the House of Commons. It shows one side being completely empty and the other side being packed full. And the caption on the empty side is um, when discussing teachers' salaries, for example. But the caption on the right-hand side, when it's a full house, is discussing um, politician salaries. But thinking about it now, because at the time when I saw it, I, I believed those images. But at the time, th- that picture could have been taken at any time. And, and any ca- context, and any caption could be put on it. And any caption could be, and could be put on it. Mm. Now, obviously, this is a, probably a conversation for another time. You, you get things called deep fakes, where videos are so real, you know, that, well, they look real but they're completely fabricated. Um, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you, you guys can go ahead and uh, look up, but deep fakes are very, very scary. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Have you seen that YouTube video of um, NFL coaches and they're, they're mouthing, you know, you know when someone can lip sync? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it looks like they're saying that exact thing. Mm. That, that's an example of a deep fake where you can mimic, you know, you can use someone's, you know, mouthing action to put in your own words. So that's one example. But the, the fakes can be so good that you can, you know, um, doctor images that, you know, haven't actually happened. So, you know, it, it can get to that side of it. Which is very manipulative and very misleading. But then at the end of the day, with the audience that people, like that social media has, you're talking millions and millions of people. So obviously with the younger generations, they're going to then believe that. They then get into the realms of, oh, actually... Maybe I believe this. Maybe I believe that, and then they start going on to, they start like falling for different traps, effectively, which is obviously not the intention of social media. 
Absolutely. But then what, so what, what do you think is the overall mental health impact with people that do use social media from your own experiences, from the people that you know, and you've, you've interacted with, what, what would you say is overall, our overarching um, effect you see it have? I'd say, I think it creates more anxiety within an individual only because when you see you see it a lot now that you see people constantly on that phone saying oh what are these people doing what are these people doing why aren't I invited and then it makes them dwell on themselves thinking why aren't I invited am I not good enough am I not part of the friendship group sort of thing and that's when it starts to then impact a lot because then you doubt yourself and the whole idea of knowing what someone is doing at every second of the day is at the end of the day it's detrimental because you're starting to thin you start to believe those lies or they may not even be lies, they might have just gone out and the thing with like Instagram it's not you don't show your weakest moments, do you? You show your highest points. It's a highlight reel Instagram is, which is why it's quite good. But then it's when people start following, say, they see start things on maybe celebrities, their friends, profiles or whatever on extravagant holidays all year round when in actual fact it's just one holiday that they're posting up throughout the year to make it look like they're there so they lead a like double life which they lead a fake life for social media and then they actually have their real life and then when you compare the two it looks like from social media they're in a perfectly happy life so so from d- day dot um, imagery has always been a powerful substance in any campaign that you do what I mean by that is so if you look at um, politicians right when they want to get people's votes they want to be seen as part of the people you know yeah. so for example I give you is the old classic politician kissing the newborn baby right it shows that they're caring towards the young and yeah. you know the, the, they're into the idea of having a family which can appeal to a lot of people so it's the same with social media when you see imagery it gives a powerful perception. So the example I'll give you now is um, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to kind of fool people, and people are always in this kind of cycle of desperation that they want to be they want to better themselves some way. And one thing that pops up on social media is this idea that you can have financial freedom from trading forex. So these guys that have these accounts where they say you know. If you trade with me, you know, you can make thousands of thousands of pounds and live the lifestyle I live. But essentially what's happened is, is that they hire cars, um, they borrow kind of clothes, they borrow, you know, people's houses, you know, for a photo shoot. And it gives this perception that, you know, hang on a minute, these guys have done something to get all these materialistic things. I could be that person. And they're saying you could be that person. And um, a lot of people have fallen for it. and um, yeah, it just it just creates the idea that like, I want to be this, and it's it's this it's this whole kind of circle of capitalism. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I I fall for it as well. I mean, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have known about half the um, half the trainers that I've got in my collection. Um, but I think you know, if if I shied away from social media, maybe that influence will you know wear thin and you know eventually wear away because. I wouldn't have had, you know, idea about when these trainers would release, at what time, or the the methods that you could do to get them, or where they're reselling them. It sets the idea that materialistic things create happiness, I guess. Like, rather than saying, actually, 
I want to be happy, I want to spend time with people, I want to enjoy the things that I'm doing. You're actually like, this person's got this and they look really happy. Maybe if I buy that, then I can be as happy. Or It sets those sorts of connotations in your head. And then once they're set in stone in your head, you then you start to believe them and then you go after those things and rather cherishing the memories that you've got with other people and enjoying that time. You sort of sat scrolling on your phone. Absolutely. And then that's another point where... So how many times in a social setting have you been at a restaurant or out and you know, half the time you find, even yourself doing it, that you're on your mobile and you look around and everyone's on their mobile looking down? It's quite common nowadays because every, whilst you're waiting, there's not that interaction between two human beings or whatever than they once was. Because there once was a time where you'd go out for a meal no one would even think about looking at a phone. And it's a, an example is like, it's the way like times have evolved effectively because one of the people I work with was telling me a story about they went to France when they were about 17. They went to France on, on their own. No mobile phone, nothing. In today's like modern society, you wouldn't even dare going to work without your phone because you'd feel like you lost your left arm or something like that. You'd feel like you're missing something, whereas... That's how the times have changed, where you would go out, you wouldn't have a phone, you wouldn't have anything like that, you wouldn't have any distractions, and that's when you could see, personally, that a lot of people are a lot more happy. You could see that people were enjoying the company, the times they had, so if you were out at a restaurant, going back to your point, was people wouldn't just sit there and go on their phone, whereas nowadays, you're out and people are just, oh, quick scroll through Instagram whilst everyone makes their decision on food, for example, but... I, I think I've been guilty of that as well. So, I mean, it, like, like I said, this is the good side of social media. So let's say we're going to London for the day and we're going to a particular area. Let's say Oxford Street, Regent Street, around that area. Mm. And I type in hashtag food, hashtag Carnaby Street. And it will give you, you know, the, the photos for the most recent updated pictures of restaurants and foods. Yeah. You can follow um, food um, critics and then with that, you can, you know, directly message them. So it's, it's, allow, it's allowed an access for you to message people that have made a life out of those type of things. I was just going to say that it brings you on to, like, the idea of instant communication, effectively, because it makes someone available. Having a mobile phone makes and social media makes someone instantly available to you. You've got all those means to contact them. So, for example, back in the day, you have to knock on someone's house if you wanted to speak to them or dial a landline or something like that. You have to physically go out and see them. So, for example, say I wanted to go and play football, I have to walk to my friend's house, knock on their door, ask their mum, oh, can you come out and play football today? Something like that. Whereas nowadays, you just send them a text and they say, oh, do you want to do something today? And they reply instantly. You have that instant communication, which then what I've seen over the past couple of years is as soon as people don't start replying instantly people then get wary, they get anxious. So back to our original point, it goes on to people then worrying, like, oh, they haven't replied to me instantly, why are they doing that? It creates that level of social anxiety in someone's head, which is why I think in today's society, it's, it's mental health issues are quite high. It's because we place such a reliance on things like social media, WhatsApp, and things like that. Having read receipts, people see, oh, you've read a message, but you haven't replied it then creates those ideas in people's head, which is it's part of a bit of science about like the monkey mind, which is a good read if anyone's heard of it. Um, so then when you then create those situations in your head, you then start to believe them. And 
as soon as you start to believe them, then you you're you're sort of stuck. You're set in those ways, and you're like, actually, maybe they don't like me, which then puts you on a downwards negative spiral, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, the the other the the other bad side of social media is that you know in recent cases and um, news articles and um, what's been going around the world is that it can lead to you know this anxiety can eventually lead to you know bullying. Uh, it could lead to even suicide. And um, one thing I've noticed, and I've, I've typed it myself, and I do warn those who are listening not to do this, you know, um, unless they're prepared to look at sensitive material, is that, you know, you can type in hashtag suicide, and there are some pages that actually tell you how to, you know, carry out the act. And I think it's the responsibility of these social media companies to actually completely ban these, these things and these ideas. Because I think... Another thing is that this generation has become less sensitive because of the amount of stuff actually out there. Um, I would say they've become more sensitive in the sense that little things, where they've got that level, that level of anxiety generally has increased. People are then like, oh, that's going to offend me. So it's the whole idea of like back in the day, you would, you could, it's, that's a whole other topic actually. We'll leave that bit. Carry on. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. Yeah, well, yeah, no, this 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 can have plenty of tangents, and you can go on a um, bit of a red herring and down the rabbit hole. But um, we'll we'll stick to kind of topic. So, do you do you ever find yourself scrolling at night in your bed? Um, ever ever no ever happen? I mean, I, I'm I'm guilty of doing it, and you can literally get caught in that uh, cycle. So we obviously know from. Um, modern science and um, uh, studies that they've done that you know the blue light the, the blue light from the screen is um, bad for your eyes in the sense that your body thinks it's still daylight uh, so it actually ruins your or disrupts your sleeping patterns so you know it's not good to actually scroll through your phone um, you know in the dark I think. I think there should be boundaries, you know, with everything. It's like, you know, you don't eat the whole cake, you have a slice of it. And I think in the daytime, you know, you should limit your activity on the phone. I understand some people have to use it for emails or keeping up with their diary. But I think ultimately, you know, in the evening, I think it should be family time. And I think it should be little things like, you know, eating together at the table. Um, it sort of sets, it sort of shows the level of addiction that it has on people is where they will sit there. They you don't eat meals together, but that could be a whole other reason as to why people don't eat together. They might have different schedules and things like that. But if you're sat on your phone whilst you're eating, you're not present when you're eating. You're sort of more focused on what you're scrolling through rather than actually eating, which is that whole idea of the addiction is you need to you should be focusing on eating, which is your main which you need to survive. Whereas scrolling through Instagram for five minutes isn't... I, I, I've seen when people have been scrolling and eating and um, they've finished their food and they've gone in for one last kind of scoop of the, of the plate but it's empty and they've realised, hang on a minute, I've, I've just finished my food. So they've been completely lost in the moment. But um, I think in this day and age, you know, some people... One, one, you know, one group of people I do feel bad for is people that have to use... Instagram for um, their livelihoods because some people have made a career out of using Instagram or YouTube in that sense. Influencers. Influencers as they like to be called Um, and they have to constantly be putting content out every day so 
you know, a, a, a content um, provider, but Logan Paul, is it Paul, Paul Logan? Logan Paul. Logan Paul. He was, I think he was pushing out a video every single day at one point. And I think even he said it got to him mentally. It's like that whole Japan suicide thing, right? Yeah, you you need to get that content out. You need to get something to your viewers because at the end of the day, that's their livelihood. That's how they get paid. Well, this this is the thing. I think deep down he knew that footage was wrong. Yeah. Right? But I felt he was pressured by this idea that, you know, content, content, content. Mm. And that if he put something controversial out, it'll put him in the um, stratosphere with regards to views, put him in the news, make him more current. But I don't think he knew they would give him such a negative effect. But if you notice, one of the things that did happen, his subscriber count went up. Because immediately after he released that video, a lot of people, obviously he got criticised as, you know, um, rightly so. Um, a lot of people, you know, said to him, you know, you should commit suicide or, you know, you should, you know, um, do one and... Um, but in fact, it actually had the effect that he probably wanted, which is more more subscribers. Um, but I, I think he's changed his outside. I don't think he'd be doing anything like that um, ever again. I think he understood the moral and ethical um, uh, grounds that came around that as well. But um, where, do you, where do you see social media going now? Which direction do you see it going in? Because you always think like, when, you know, when Facebook come out, you think, how could it get any better? You know, um, what else could they do to it? And then Instagram was released, Snapchat was released, and you think, you know, what else could they add on to it? I feel because all of those guys are all owned by Facebook, aren't they? WhatsApp, Instagram, Snapchat. So it's become a, it's become it's, a, it's become a monopoly. It's a massive monopoly. Yeah, it's, it's not because they all used to be separate. I'm pretty sure. That's right. So it was competition. It, yeah, and now it's all owned by Facebook. But then I think, I think there's a there's a new app called TikTok. I've heard of TikTok. Yeah. And every apparently that one seems to be booming, and it's a good way to. Okay, wait, so what is TikTok? I have not a clue. Okay, right, I, I don't have a clue either. Um, it would seem to me, from what I've seen, very short videos. Um, I feel like it's a video version of Snapchat, effectively, like, but it's with music, and it's more associated with a younger generation who. Like like the lip sync and things like that. So it can allow them to be more creative, in a sense. Yeah. So Which, is it like a special effects version of Snapchat? I guess so. And it allows people to interact. But then if you're when you're interacting at that sort of young age, you sort of grown. You sort you sort of grow up with the idea that everyone is instantly available. Which is where that whole idea of the impact of mental health comes in. Because you're say you're like. I didn't get my first phone until I was about 16, 17. Late bloomer. Yeah, I didn't get a phone until then, which I think was really good. But then, nowadays, you see people who are like... But by the way, before you got your phone at 16, 17, how many of your friends got their phones? At what age were they? Similar sort of age. Okay, that's interesting, because I'm sure there's probably been a situation where in a group of friends... Um, everyone got their phones. I mean, I remember I got my first phone when I was 12 or 13 years old. But it wasn't anything fancy. It was just for emergencies. Yeah. Right? So it, it, was, a, it was a Nokia 5110. And for all those listening that are old enough, it's a brick. It's essentially a brick. I mean, you could use it as part of a, you know, in your housework. It's a brick. It could survive um, a blast. Nowadays, these phones can't even survive, you know, a, a, a bit of rain. But... 
I would feel, you know, if you're in a group of friends and, you know, everyone's got their phones at 13, 14, and you're still waiting for your first phone, that could be a kind of a form of being, you know, neglected or mm. kind of pushed out of the circle. But it's good that, you know, you got your phone where everyone else got theirs at the same time. Yeah, we got ours quite late. Well, yeah, because obviously we had, like, an emergency phone beforehand, but it was then, like, an iPhone when you were 16, 17. But nowadays you see kids who are, like, what, 10, 12, like, people at work saying, oh, they just bought their kids' iPhones, and they're, like seven eight anywhere from there and i'm just like when you grow up with that idea of having someone instantly available to contact via whatsapp skype whatever social media you want that then grows on people are brought up with that whole idea that someone can be contacted at the push of a button and then when someone doesn't contact you at a push of a button that whole idea of oh you're not wanted sort of thing kicks in and it's that whole monkey mind sort of idea that comes into play so how do we how do we get out of that mindset of about like you know they've got it I want it but you don't really need it because when you do get it it kind of wears off that idea of like you know I've got it I've got it I've got it it's the idea of constantly wanting more I suppose isn't it in the sense that you've got that so I had this who did I have this discussion? I think I had it at work where they've got yeah I was at my Christmas party the other day and I was speaking to one of the partners and she said she had just got her daughter a phone. And then she was saying she doesn't know how long it's going to be till she wants the next thing, which is Instagram. So Instagram, you have to be, what, 13 to download, I think? Right, yep. So she got the phone, and now as soon as she's got the phone, there's no enjoyment of the phone. She wants the next thing, which is social media. She wants Instagram. It's how long can you keep that cycle up of constantly wanting the next thing and not actually enjoying the moment? So you just got a mobile phone. It's, can you enjoy that for a second without actually wanting social media and things like that? What What do you think of so Instagram? There's two, basically there's two modes: either keep your account private or public. So private is when you have you know the people you want to follow you. You know you have control over that. Public, you don't really anyone can view your account. What do you think of people? You know, just ordinary Joes like you and I that have a public account. What do you make of that? What do you think the psychology of that is? I think it's a numbers game at the end of the day because you see people who constantly want that follower ratio, don't they? They have that following, follower, really, like, um, ratio. They want more followers than they are following. following. I see what you mean, yeah. So yeah. people constantly want that. I remember there was a time where one of my friends, he downloaded some random app off iTunes or whatever it is, the App Store, to boost his Instagram followers. Right. And it was like a little roulette wheel to see how many follows that he he paid, like, for the app, and then you spin the wheel and it depends how many followers you gain. So it increases your likes. So he then went from, like, 70 followers to, like, 3,000, 4,000 followers in, like, a day. But these followers, are they real or are they robots or what are they? I think they're, like, fake accounts and stuff like that. So then it just boosts his likes up. It boosts everything up. Right, and it gets his popularity up. It increases the perception that he's more like socially desirable to hang out, hang around with than say Dave with two followers. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So it kind of shows you maybe who's kind of genuine, but I guess it's not a very good way of showing it, is it? Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird concept buying followers. In obviously, in such a day where you can become an influencer and you can have a job through social media. The idea that you can buy followers doesn't really work. No, 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 it doesn't. So where do you see 
social media do you think people get bored of it usually people get bored of a trend but it seems like you know instagram and facebook have been going on for such a long time that it's kind of you know gone past this use by date but it still seems to be going strong i guess they just have to be innovative and create new ideas all the time yeah i think they've nowadays i think they've got more of a social obligation uh, yeah, I'd say they've got more of a social obligation to look out for people's mental health and best interests rather than developing that further. So, for example, your point on this, searching hashtag suicide, I'm pretty sure they've now put a disclaimer when you search this. They, they, they do, but is that enough? I exactly. mean, I can bypass the disclaimer by saying I agree. Yeah, is that enough? Exactly. That's the point. Is is that enough? Is Do they develop the up further and say, oh, let's add something new that they can do? I feel that, um, okay, so essentially we live in a global capitalistic society, right? And I believe that the aim of a capitalistic society or a machine of that sort is to generate um, as much profit and revenue as they can. Mm. Um, I think this whole idea by putting a disclaimer in front of, you know, a suicide page that tells you how to commit suicide and you know, how people have done it and stories about, you know, what they've done is terrible. They need to do more in terms of, you know, if they really feel strongly about mental health and suicide, they need to do more to remove that type of content. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, they can't even keep on top of the um, terrorist propaganda content. Whether, whatever walk of life that propaganda comes from, you have all these accounts of people, you know, influencing people in bad ways you know, to leave their families and countries and fight for a cause. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is why I think they've got more of a social obligation nowadays to to prevent these things being put out there, like the political, the social suicide, terrorism, things like that. They need to crack down on the influence these sort of accounts have. They need to be banned. They need to be, as soon as they're set up, they need to be stopped. They need to focus more on driving the mental health of today's society as opposed to developing the app trying to make more money effectively is the way I see it needs to grow but the, but then again there's no there's nothing stopping us going on you know social media these same very same platforms and looking at mental health awareness pages you know there's there's yoga on there there's meditation you know how to deep breathe how to relieve anxiety how to relieve anger so you do have that helpful portion of it as well yeah it's but, useful to an extent but it's how readily available are there that's true i mean it, I, I think it does go down to the individual and the power an individual has because you know like i said you know what stops you eating the whole cake you know something has to say to you you know stop it's not good for you you've got I've, to have that level of self-control yeah and I, and I think it is down to kind of self-awareness i think in each individual has to come to that point of self-realization um i personally think you know going on the topic of this podcast social media and the effect of mental health i think overall it is bad um, I feel, you know, I can ask a lot of people, what did you do before you had a, um, you know, a, a smartphone or access to social media or, read, you know, access to, you know, readily available things? Because if you think about it, like I said, I, you know, I know this podcast is about talking about certain subjects that a lot of people probably, you know, don't want to talk about, but I don't want to go on a conspiracy tangent, but yeah. if you notice, a lot of things are making people less mobile um, so, for example, you know, when I, when I first bought the PlayStation console, the, the, the PS4, I, uh, you know, with the new software upload, 
you can buy games online. You don't yeah. have to go to the store anymore, right? You, you, it removes that social interaction. It removes that social interaction. It removes that ability to go outside, get fresh air, and you know, you know, actually go for a walk. Yeah. The other thing now of recent last four or five years is this idea that you can pretty much order food from any takeaway that didn't used to deliver before. So you know, McDonald's, Uber Eats, Uber Eats, or uh, Deliveroo, right? Yeah. So you can download a game to your telly without moving a muscle. You can get food from pretty much any restaurant to your house without moving a muscle. Because, you know, although McDonald's isn't the greatest, you know, you'd still have to get up, move and, and get, get to the restaurant and bring it back. Now that element is completely gone. Social media, you don't actually have to sit next to your friend or a close one. You can literally FaceTime them. Yeah. Right? It's uh, that idea of that instant access. It's that whole click your fingers and you've got what you want. And then when people don't get what they want instantly, it's then right why have I not got this? It's that sense of entitlement. Absolutely. And this is the reason why I think overall social media for me has a negative effect on mental health. What is your kind of final thoughts? So I suppose at the end of the day, I think it's both good and bad in the sense that you have the opportunity to be who you want to be on social media. You don't have to conform to any social identity or any trends because there is a group of people out there who will have similar views or similar dress senses or ideologies to you in that sense. But then at the end of the day, it also creates, like we've been saying from the very get-go, that level of anxiety, that reliance upon it. We've placed a lot of, um, what's the word? We've put a lot of dependence on how we look for other people and how we do things and what we put up on Instagram and how many likes we're going to get. So it creates that level of anxiety which is damaging to someone's mental health. But you also have those opportunities to grow personally, which, and you also have the opportunity in today's modern society to grow business through it, because social media is massive. At the end of the day, it's a lucrative business. So I suppose it just depends how you use it. I think the best way I would say to manage it is set time restrictions. So say spend maximum five, 10 minutes on Instagram or Snapchat a day, and then you see how much free time you have. You see how much opportunity you have to actually go out and enjoy yourself and live in the moment rather than live through your phone. Because at the end of the day, if you're not out, you're going to be living those moments through your phone and you have that fear of missing out, which is my view. Yeah, I think my advice for people that do, you know, are self-aware that you know, they do spend a little bit more time than they actually want on a mobile phone is maybe limit your use um, to one hour in the morning, um, you know, so from when you wake up to midday and then one hour from, you know, midday towards uh, the evening. And so then... I would say, I'd say that's a lot of time. I'd say two hours is a lot of time. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when I say social media, I do also, you know, um, include in their WhatsApps and messaging as well, um, looking at the internet, um, you know, looking at articles, etc. you know, unless it's actually part of your work day. Um, I think, you know, I think on average, if you ask someone how much do you spend on social media, I think you'd be very surprised, you know, four or five hours. Let's have a look now. Let's go on our phones and let's have a look. See what, there's a setting you can see to see your time management. Okay, so this is a, this is the good side of social media, um, you know, seeing how much you spend on that. So, so far, I have spent, I don't know how this works. Is that screen time? Yeah. Okay, so, so today I've spent 37 minutes on WhatsApp, 14 minutes on Instagram, 
and two minutes on YouTube. Okay, let's have a look at um, let's have a look at my uh, uh, breakdown to settings. Then is it usage, digital balance, digital balance. Okay, um, do you go to more? Yeah. Okay, more. So let's have a look at this. So an hour on WhatsApp, eighteen minutes on YouTube, and eighteen minutes on Instagram. Uh, so yours is what? Eighteen minutes, fourteen minutes on Instagram. Yours is fourteen minutes on Instagram, thirty-seven on WhatsApp. So I've been one hour. So we're. Um, but the thing is, I would like to say that we're more conscious conscious about social media. Um, you know, I'm I'm talking about the you know regular, um, you know, average Joe. Yeah. Know, who's probably not as aware or you know trying to you know comprehend a topic like this. I would like to actually see you know what their usage is on on this. So um, maybe in the next episode we can just give you a quick rundown of what we kind of found out for our homework and just pick, you know, if we if we ask five or six friends at the gym or whatever, say, is it okay just to have a look, you know, on average, what's your, your social media, balance, your digital yeah. balance, and then we can kind of report back in the next uh, podcast uh, because that'll be interesting to see. But I think it's the same that, you know, those type of people, you know, reduce it to, you know, I guess the time that you and I have spent on it, you're looking at our digital balance. Um, and and get out, you know, get out, get some exercise, move, move a little more because you know they say that standing. Uh, I, I don't want to get geeky on you, but Superman's powers come from the sun. Yeah. So standing out in the sun is actually very very good for you when you get those um, kind of rays on your face. You know, you, you're getting vitamin D um, in your body, which actually helps you get to sleep at night. And the sun actually, you know, just helps to kind of, it makes you feel better. Because, you know, they, they say a lot of times that summer, everyone's mood is uplifted. In the winter, that's when you get seasonal depression. Yeah. Um, so I think people, my advice is just get out more. Um, you know, especially, you know, the time we're recording this is winter. We have shorter days. So by the time you get up, it's dark. By the time you get to work and stay indoors all day, get back home, it's dark. So you hardly ever see the sunshine. Um, my advice is at lunchtime, your breaks, get out, spend at least 10 minutes just kind of, you know, in the sun, you know, with your eyes closed and just kind of basking in the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if you look at, um, if you look at the pattern of animals, like, so in, in, in the summer, Pablo, uh, my dog, he loves basking in the sun. It's just a natural kind of response for him. I think we can kind of take, take a lot away from some of the animals and observations we make. So that's my kind of two cents worth. It's just less time. Just and even on the weekends, you know, just put your phone away in your drawer and just go out and enjoy the weather, enjoy yeah. the environment, sunshine, and go for a walk. Um, because before you know, it's it's all linked to you know your mental health suddenly impacts on your you know your physical health, and it can manifest into other things. So yeah, I think less less technology is good, and we shouldn't shy away from that. So thank you for listening to the One Salty Great podcast. That was our first episode. Like I say, we will be producing episodes once a week. I've been Ro. And I'm Phil. And hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you next week. (coughs) Ta-da.